0: Whenever I like start doing a podcast, it's like when I go for a run and I'm like, I just need to pee. And whenever I do a podcast, I'm like, I need to cough my you lungs know. up and it's I don't, don't even need to.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So welcome to Pretty Hard, a podcast by Fluff. Uh, we're a beauty brand. <laughs> I again. I kind of like the little fuck ups. One, up. two, three. <laughs> Okay, so welcome to Pretty Hard, a podcast by Fluff, a beauty brand that believes it's okay to feel more with makeup so long as you don't feel less without it. This is gonna be a series of honest conversations, thoughts, feelings, and it's gonna be hosted by myself, Ellen Jenkinson, and Erica Giratz. Um, And today we're gonna to be talking to Erica about her relationship to beauty, sort of going into how she thinks it's changed over time, why she started Fluff. And how the business influences her personal choices around makeup and consumption. Um, And just to like give, I guess, a little bit of context on Erica and I, I always forget that people don't know this, even people who have been following the brand for a long time. Um, We actually met via the internet, Twitter it was, (laughs) when I was 17. So 12 years ago. So these conversations that we're having And sort of when we start going into these feelings or sort of deeper areas, I think they're coming from a really interesting place of having known each other personally for 12 years, as well as working alongside each other in this industry on fluff. So it's going to be kind of this combo of some pretty sort of personal bits and then the business sides of things too, which is basically what you guys have been asking for from us for the last four years and we just keep not making a podcast
0: just avoiding feelings all right come at me (laughs) so
1: I kind of want to just start with like talk to me about your relationship to beauty or what kind of do you feel in your body when I say that because I feel like I've asked that question to a lot of people and I feel like I almost get the same response every time but I want something a little bit deeper than just it was this and now it's this
0: well, because what response do you you usually just get? It was this, and then it's that. Or, it's yeah. Okay. That when I was
1: younger, I was insecure, and now I feel really more much more comfortable with myself. And I think there's so much more in that. And I also sometimes question: is that true, or are you telling yourself that now because you're older and you're supposed to say that?
0: Mm. Yeah. So if I think about my relationship to beauty or what how I feel in my body is, I'm just like, oh, I feel a bit rigid initially. And I think that's because it feels like opening up a can of worms. It feels like a therapy session, which is very much what fluff often (laughs) feels like for people who come into the brand or experience it. And my relationship to myself and my identity, how I see myself, how I think people perceive me has changed a lot in the last, I would say specifically five to six years maybe, um, particularly with my involvement in the beauty industry or working for brands but a big thing for me is it's still evolving in no way am I just like this is it I'm cool comfortable I know who I am there's moments where I feel really content or I feel like I could talk to you about and be like this is where I'm at but who knows what's going to happen in a year or how I'll feel you know in my 40s or my 50s and that's what's super interesting for me also um, looking at the people around me who are say my younger cousins or then my mum who's in her 70s and her relationship to beauty and then that how that influences my own.
1: What do you see
0: in your mum's relationship to beauty or how do you feel like that's influenced your own? Well I mean my mum is a mirror for me not just like Aesthetically, we look very similar and I kind of laugh that she's just like this window into my future, but how she perceives herself and how she's working through this concept of ageing. And I am 33 and have always liked to think that I don't care about how I look, um, but that would be lying to myself and everyone. Mm-hmm. I think we all do. And I think it's actually nice to care about your appearance. But for me, my journey has been around it not being the like utmost importance mm-hmm. or not letting that control, I guess, how I interact with people. Um, so... Yeah, if that's like enough of an answer to start a conversation, I guess I'm just like it's always evolving. I, th- I feel like it's in a good growing place. Like there's a level of awareness now which I didn't have before and that was probably the biggest breakthrough for me was just having these conversations with myself, with friends, with a therapist to be like what has informed my view of myself, like my relationships, my family, external influences that are outside of my control, like magazines, social media, um, just the people around me, women around me, how does that make me feel?
1: Mm. You said before fluff often feels like therapy and obviously you and I are both big advocates for therapy. Do you feel like, because I obviously know a lot about your journey through therapy, I'm wondering do you feel like therapy has played a part in your changing your relationship to beauty because I feel like we haven't really discussed that with it hasn't been a theme that you would discuss but do you feel like there's been
0: a knock-on effect from
1: other things you've worked on in therapy?
0: Yes definitely so the way I view therapy is that it's just like breaking down myself and all of my parts and understanding who Erica is outside of Erica who runs fluff or Erica who rides or Erica who lives in Collingwood or Erica who drives this car. It's just like, who am I when everything is stripped bare? And that includes, I guess, the clothes I wear, the makeup I wear, how I put myself out into the world. So therapy has been super interesting in that way. I've never really had specific conversations in therapy about my external appearance or about beauty but I've discussed work and relationships particularly with my family or with partners that have definitely brought out I guess awareness of it's affected how I see myself and how I present myself mm. so that's been interesting.
1: And do you feel like because I've known you a long time I would say the Erica I met oh, I don't know see now I'm thinking about that because I'm like when I met you you were in a flannel denim shorts and Haviana thongs so I don't feel like there's been this Erica that was ever you know super dolled up or anything like that
0: oh yeah I can tell you about the different versions yeah of me okay, go, so do maybe that. you don't know this because there there's definitely an age where I was not that okay Um, and then there was a period where I went away from it and now I feel like I'm somewhere in between So. If I think about specific or pivotal points in my like identity change or shift was my first job or one of my first jobs – after school, was working for Red Bull on the promotions team, um, well, the sampling team, and we had so much pride in what we did and we refused to be called promo girls. But at the end of the day, we were glorified promo girls. Can you, sorry, just tell me one little thing about the time you ran a car? No, (laughs) that's another episode. (laughs) I will not go into detail about the time I drove a Red Bull car through a petrol station. Um, So anyway... I loved that job and it was different to, I guess, your traditional promotional girl. We were very much trained to go out and speak to different groups about product benefits. We were like part of the sales team, um, but yet we were a bunch of girls who fitted a Western idea of beauty for sure and we were made to think that that wasn't a big part of our appeal or allure or the marketing strategy and I think it wasn't until maybe a couple of years in that I did realize that even if the company thought otherwise or if I thought otherwise a lot of the people that I was interacting with were looking at me on face value and I was a blonde girl stepping out of a car in little shorts smiling and just being friendly and it was super interesting because it was part of sort of that marketing strategy to be everyone's best friend and to be nice and to talk to them and to not really kind of ruffle any feathers and I sort of slowly realised that people were just looking at me in a certain way and looking at me based on my appearance or interacting with me based on my appearance and there was just one point where I felt really uncomfortable with that. It didn't, affect me too negatively like it didn't upset me but I just feel like there was this gradual shift where I was like I don't want to be this girl in little dresses and that's the first thing people see or that people judge or create an idea about me and it's not to say that wearing little dresses or having blonde hair or working for Red Bull is a bad thing but something didn't sit right or feel good in me and I felt like people weren't experiencing Erica without all of that Uh, So that was a big thing for me and I think there was a period after that where I was like I don't want to wear any little clothes like that or I don't want to be seen as a Red Bull promo girl and I definitely started covering up a lot more everything from not wearing little dresses and skirts and sort of wearing a lot baggier clothing and probably not putting as much effort into my hair and makeup. And it just felt like what I wanted to do. Maybe it felt like a little bit of a rebellion against that period of my life. Um, and I wanted to see how people would respond to me not looking a certain way.
1: And did you feel like there was a different response? Like when you compared how people were perceiving you or treating you before versus?
0: there? If anything, there was just not as much attention, mm-hmm. probably. And I should also say that The time that I worked at Red Bull was also at a time where I was, yeah, this was between sort of 18 to 21 where I was also experiencing nightlife, you know, for the first time and I was dating a promoter and so I was going to all of the nightclubs and it was such a scene and every other girl, you know, it was almost like this unseen, unspoken about competition, about having the coolest clothes, like being doled up, being seen, getting photos and clubs guide and stuff. And so that influenced how I wanted to be seen or how I wanted to present myself. And I felt in competition with all of the other girlfriends of promoters.
1: Mm-hmm. And in that competition though, did you feel insecure? Or
0: Yeah, I would, I would. there was so much comparison, definitely. And I was like, I don't have the same clothes as her. I don't look way, or how do I get my hair to look like that <laughs> which is just ridiculous and possibly a part of growing up but it's also uh, something that I when I think about fluff and why I started it's probably something that I wanted to counteract like not have other young women or people for that matter um, feeling comparison or influenced by people around them I wanted them to just discover who they were outside of what they were looking at around them.
1: Okay. So you've gone from
0: Red Bull Airy and clubbing area. <coughs> <from> they <coughs> were at the same Aries. time. Okay, time. Yeah. The same. And then you went to baggy. Rebelling area. And then what? Oh yeah. There was like three years where I decided <laughs> I didn't want to wear shoes <laughs> and just walked around the streets of Richmond um, without shoes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that was rebelling against. I think I was trying to get closer to the ground and to earth. Um but Which your brother will relate to. Yes, he's Um, cheering you on right now. (laughs) So there was that period and then there was Frank Body period where um, we saw an incredible amount of success as co-founders and launched this skincare brand that – Um, became an international bestseller in the space of two years and as a 23 year old I saw uh, social sort of status and success, I saw a lot of financial success and there was so much that was accessible to me. I could buy all the things that I saw in magazines or what people were wearing on Instagram, I could get a blow wave every week, I was getting so many samples of different makeup and skincare products, I could try it all and I was just obsessed with it and I wanted it all, really, and I really bought into that. That was the sort of period of Erie wearing heaps of black and Rick Owens and just, I don't know, wanting to, I guess, be seen or have people notice or pick up on what I was saying about myself. Mm -hmm. And there's a lag of that now. Like I still wear a lot of black, still own a few Rick Owens pieces, but I feel like much more of me has... um, kind of come back up which is you know I might wear a Rick t-shirt but it's got heaps of holes in it and then I'll wear it with shitty black shorts or a leather jacket I've had from Target since I was 15 Mm. so that yeah that period at Frank was like huge for me as well because of what I was exposed to in the beauty industry and the influence of the sort of whether it's Australian or American, like the, uh, I don't know whether I call it like the founder effect or the expectations of being a beauty founder, I really felt that pressure and my journey in Fluff has been really interesting. One, sort of having to almost walk our talk of wearing less makeup or what that does to your idea of yourself or this idea of that it's definitely okay to wear makeup, that we think it's fun, but it's, it's not everything and we believe that you should never feel less without it. And that was specifically to I guess counteract a feeling that I had felt which was I felt less when I wasn't wearing makeup and I witnessed women around me feeling the same way. I saw us apologising if we bumped into people in the street and we weren't wearing makeup saying oh sorry I look like shit. And it's like you're literally saying that you as you are look like shit. Like there's a problem there. And I remember being young and or you know in the initial stages of dating someone and I was scared for them to see me for the first time without makeup on and this wasn't a problem that was exclusive to me it was so many women around me were experiencing this and I just thought that's a bit fucked up and then alongside social media developing and Instagram and TikTok, Snapchat, whatever it was, I just saw the influences or the amount of content and noise that was being put out there and I worried for my younger cousins about how that was going to impact their mental health and how that was going to impact their idea of themselves because I could recognize my idea of myself was already tainted in some way and I didn't even have the same influence as them. Do you feel like,
1: I was thinking about this the other day, the way that you worried about your younger cousins with social media, do you feel like your mum would have been worried about you with looking at Dolly Mag or whatever it was you were consuming that was our version of that?
0: Mm. Possibly. And I wish – this is something where I'm like I need to have more of these conversations with my mum. Perhaps they'll come up when I have kids and we'll be able to compare those sort of internal struggles or battles. Um, I know that there were pressure from the magazines and I definitely looked at them and aspired to be some of these pop stars, but that way it was very much, you know, I would have to go and pick up a magazine, I would have to be able to buy it, I would have to be able to have the time to read through it. Whereas today, or for the last 12 years or so, we almost don't have a choice, we open our phone and we're inundated with content telling us how to look, how many products we should use, what the ideal version of beauty is and that pressure just feels like so daunting. I don't really know how I would communicate that with my child or what kind of like limitations or restrictions I would put on them because it also would I would never want them to feel restricted. But I think the big thing for me would just be about having conversations with them. Mm. And you know, it's funny. I could probably have those conversations with my mom now about how she's feeling at her age. Sort of a reverse model.
1: Mm. How do you feel about Ageing or being older? I love ageing. I always always get so
0: excited about birthdays. Um, I have loved getting to know my face and seeing it age. Like, of course, you and I will laugh about our happy feet or crow's feet (laughs) or we like spending time in the sun. And I notice the impact or the change, but I also notice, you know, my frown lines and they're a memory for me. I can recognise the periods of my life where I was frowning or under a lot of stress and then I can recognise the periods of my life where I was smiling so much and having incredible summers at the beach that represent those happy feet. Mm. (laughs) So I kind of just accept them as what it is. I think my parents were a good influence in that way for me. Um, I can definitely recognise my genetic privileges to be like I haven't suffered or experienced extreme um, cases of skin conditions that other people have that I think would be which is harder for me to obviously empathize with but if I just think about aging like I, I find it really cool I like looking at photos of me when I was in my teens and then my 20s and you know, the last couple of years and I'm excited to see what my face will look like at 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 <laughs> and beyond. Like that's cool for me. Um, I don't really want to freeze my face. I've definitely had moments of temptation, like don't get me wrong and I still think about it and being in the beauty industry, those temptations are just there every day. Um, but I've sort of... I've made a promise to myself that I will hold out um, and that it's, you know, very much against sort of our values and what we are saying at Fluff and that I want to accept how I am and embrace that in a way.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like being the way that we are or the way that you are as a beauty founder almost – puts other beauty founders that are more in the traditional mold of that on the back foot? Like, have you ever had an experience where you felt like you were making them uncomfortable by being yourself?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that the beauty industry, whether it's in Australia or in America or the UK where I've spent time, has a certain idea of a beauty founder And if you push against that, you are pushed to the outside of the industry. And I struggled with that for a while, whereas now I feel more comfortable being on the outside and just realising that it's easier for me to just focus on the people that understand our message and agree with it than trying to push or change someone's opinion who doesn't want to have those conversations or doesn't agree with them. I've been told by several people from bigger corporations in our industry that I don't look like or I don't act like a typical founder in the beauty industry. And that's frustrating at times but then it's also been like, actually, yeah, great, I I love that feedback. I don't want to be like other founders, I want to be like me and this is what I believe in and my opinion is valid and my feelings about the industry are valid and... The differing opinions of founders and consumers in the industry are also valid, but hopefully we can all have a conversation together and respect that. And admittedly, I think I've tried to push my opinions and my feelings on consumers and other founders at different times, and that hasn't been received well. And that's been frustrating for everyone and including me, but I've sort of really had to think about my delivery and think about how I want to have these conversations and how people can get there sort of on their own terms.
1: Do you feel like that's coincided with your changing relationship to beauty that yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. I think i it's felt a little bit like a roller coaster ride at times accepting me and where I'm at, and the more I accept myself, the more I can accept my relationships with other people and how I can communicate with them, and just accepting us all is quite different, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so back to the
1: stages of (laughs) erie you got to rick owens which i think was probably the the most recent like apart from this one right now yeah so what's this one now
0: this one is very much just like me trying not to care (laughs) and doesn't mean not caring at all it just means caring about the right things Mm -hmm. and realizing that yeah, my worth is so much more than either the clothes I wear or the products that I own or what fluff looks like as a business or as a brand. It's more about the conversations I can have. And like, I look at success more about the depths of my relationships right now rather than anything else, not external forms of validation. And this might sound like I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but this is very much my idea about beauty is that it's not just external and it's not aesthetics. Like this is what we talk about at Fluff. It is moods. It is feelings. It's conversations. It's where you're at in your life. I mean, Fluff is just we sell products, but they're, it's, they're just a vehicle for having conversations about identity and about change. And then our products are just like this sort of like badge of honour or this little token that's just like, yep, this is what I talk about. This is what I feel. So... I feel like, yeah, I'm at this point now where I just want people to see me um, and have a conversation with me and choose whether they like me based on that. Mm -hmm. I always had this sort of theory or I would say that the most beautiful person can walk into the room and then within five minutes of chatting to them, they can be the ugliest based Mm. on how they interact with you or then someone can walk into a room and maybe they don't catch your eye aesthetically straight away but then you sit down and you have a conversation with them and within five ten minutes you're just enamored and their beauty sort of unfolds before you and you see this different you feel a different idea around beauty. And that's what I'm really interested in exploring for myself. I'm like, what is that beauty in me? And then what is that beauty I can recognise in other people? And I know I've gotten to that point um, because it's like everyone who comes into our store, everyone we interact with, I just see this Different type of beauty, and I'm just like, that's so cool. Like it, it's not in a box anymore of just like they fit Mm -hmm. a certain ideal or a certain standard. Um, Which, but it's why it's so confronting at times when I hear people say, "I don't think I'm beautiful" or "I hate this about me," and I'm like, I didn't even see that. But it's taken me a while to get to that point. Like I would used to see those things in myself or see them in other people, and label it as beautiful or not beautiful. And now I just sort of, I kind of laugh about it because I realize that all of these ideas about beauty are what have been sold to us and what what we have been told. And it is all marketing and advertising. This is why we're called fluff. We're like, it is all fluff. Um, And I ask people to really think about their relationship to beauty. It's why we wanted to have these conversations on this podcast because the more you ask why and the more you think about where your ideas came from about your identity – the more you break it down and then understand that it is everything that you've been told via your friends, via your family, via magazines, via social media, via brands, and how exciting that you actually get this opportunity to then be like, what do I feel about it outside of all of that?
1: Mm-hmm. When you said before that the most beautiful person can walk in the room and within you know, five minutes talking to them they cannot be, do you feel like there's ever been a time that someone might have encountered you in that way? Like is there ever a time that you feel like you weren't, your inner self wasn't coming out?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there were times between Frank Body and Fluff where I tried to be someone that I wasn't or I was trying to prove myself to other people or just prove myself to myself Um <laughs> And would either talk too much or talk too little, Um, wouldn't say what I wanted, wouldn't say what I needed, wouldn't say what I was frustrated with. I just wasn't being honest. Um, And I I have a big thing what has come up in therapy about wanting to be liked and how much that influences my interactions with people or how I see myself and how I present myself. So that's something I always have to catch myself on and think about. Am I doing this because I want to be liked and I want this person to think that I am a good founder, a good friend, a good daughter, a good sister, you know, a good boss, or am I, am I acting this way because it's really who I am? Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm like, I
0: want to be liked. Like, we all do.
1: Yeah, and I don't
0: There's Social th-
1: media has caught on to this. This is why
0: they have likes and follows. Yes.
1: But I'm like, surely that's important. Like if you're not making decisions based on people still respecting and liking you, then aren't you just being a bit selfish But you're shit?
0: potentially – no, 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 this is the thing. You're potentially not being you. This is the whole premise of that book, The Courage to Be Disliked. <laughs> yeah. And this is what I think we encounter with fluff is it's like it's better to be yourself and if that doesn't gel with someone, like that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if all I want to do is be liked, then I'm going to modify my behavior. I'm going to modify my appearance to try and please someone. Mm -hmm. And that's not okay (laughs) because I'm not being me. Yeah, okay. But it fucking sucks. I hate it when people don't like me. (laughs) Yeah, but also it's but I'm not being authentic. And I think there's a certain age or a period where you can get away with not being authentic but that means you have these surface level interactions with people and something changed in me and this is what I can't really understand or explain just yet and that I'm still working through. It's like what it was that changed in me that I was like, I don't want surface level anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just getting older. Maybe all of our parents will be laughing at this podcast being like, ha, ha. <laughs> welcome to growing up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, I want more. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. <laughs> How do you feel, because I know there was a period
1: where I struggled with this a little bit, how do you feel when you, and like I see it happen all the time, we bump into people on the street and the first thing they ask you is, how's fluff? They never say, how are you? I find a lot of people will just talk to you about fluff before they talk to you about Ari as a person. And I'm wondering how that affects your identity in terms of separating yourself from your work to be like, I am not fluff and fluff is not me, or are you like, I am fluff and fluff is me.
0: No, fluff is just a big part of me, but it's definitely not me. It's just something that I do. There's so much me in fluff, but it is separate. So, yeah, it's so interesting this idea of like we're talking about our relationship to beauty and then we're talking about our business, but our relationship to beauty is really our relationship to identity and how we see ourselves and fluff is a big part of myself. And it is a outward expression. It's what I talk about. It's what I spend most of my day doing. It's what I am trying to influence other people's ideas and or get them to think about their ideas around identity. So when people ask me how's fluff, I find that they are, again, wanting like the pretty answer and they are wanting a surface level interaction. They want me to say it's good or we're killing it or this. And um, that's why this thing is called it's pretty hard, this – being pretty is hard, whether you're l- taking the literal translation about how you present yourself or acting like everything's fine and everything's good, and that happens in business. But I've become a much more comfortable um, with having those conversations.
1: Mm.
0: Where you're at right now, do you feel like in
1: 10 years this would be another conversation where you talk through the other stages of Ari, and you tell me about this one now and kind of laugh at it too? Or do you feel like this is the one that carries through?
0: I hope this one carries through because it feels like a really uh, curious time for me where I'm really open and more willing to listen to other people's versions and stories um, and ideas about beauty in themselves. I want it to be a conversation but I'm also very accepting of my stance and my opinion and I'm not scared of it like I think I am okay to be disliked in a way Mm -hmm. um and it but it's a really interesting point the next 10 years of my life between say 33 and 45 are going to be super interesting and I see the conversations happening around my friends right now and I mean some of my friends have been getting Botox for a while but a lot of them are talking about getting Botox now and it's made me be like, what's my opinion on this? And they all look to me because I'm in this industry and I'm like, what's your opinion on this? And I have found myself at dinner tables, you know, biting my tongue or then with my friends who I'm really comfortable with. I'm like, hey, if you're asking, I'm totally happy to give it to you. You know, this is my stance. It's you do you, whatever. But this is why I personally am choosing not to. This is what I'd love you to understand about it. Or I'm curious, have you thought about this? Um, I... Can you go into that? Is that something you want to go into now? Sure. I think that – so things – obviously when I I wear makeup, I dye my hair. I've had eyelash extensions. I contemplated getting lip fillers at one point. I think everyone discusses Botox when you stare at your wrinkles for too long (laughs) as you start aging. But I really asked myself like why? Why do I want to get lip fillers? Why would I want to get Botox? And I could, you know, say what a lot of people say, like, I feel better. I don't want to have those lines. I just, I feel better when I look like this. So then I would ask myself, well, why do you feel better? Or does that mean that you feel worse with it? And why don't you feel good with it? Who has told you that that's not good enough? And then I start thinking, well, luckily I don't have any friends or family or partners telling me that it's not good enough. But there's definitely external influences in the form of the media that it's telling me that it's got it's got to be fixed that it's not good enough and this is literally the industry that we're in and this is the internal conflict I face every day I operate in an industry that says you should get rid of pigmentation you should try and get rid of fine lines you should try and have glassy skin And it's like, why should I? What about my skin as it is? Isn't this just the process of aging and shouldn't I accept that? Wouldn't that be nice if I wasn't dominated by these thoughts of I'm not good enough each day? So that inquiry, I guess, left me with a choice. Yeah, do I want to resist those influences and just accept myself as I am or will I be happier giving in to them and to those ideals or those standards you know what? And if the answer was like, you know what, I will be fine and I can happily exist doing all of that, then I, that's when I say to people, go for it. I just want them to think about it. And when I thought about it, I personally was like, cool, this isn't a decision I want to make. Mm-hmm. And I really, again, I don't want to miss out on knowing my face at 40 and 50 and 60. I want to see what that looks like. And I think that I've really grown into my face in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Honestly, there was sort of like these awkward like stages where I was like, my jaw like doesn't fit into my cheeks or something (laughs) like what's going on here um or I was like my lips just feel too like small for stuff and then as I've grown like I I've just I'm like I love I guess myself and I love what I look like and this is me and that's been so liberating in a way and I just would hate to have denied myself that experience of seeing myself grow into my face Mm -hmm. Uh, I would hate to not know what I look like at 40 because I've changed it and the effects are irreversible. And whilst you can stop getting Botox or you can stop getting lip fillers, you know, it leaves marks. And the most permanent marks it leaves, I believe, is like internally on your brain and on your conscious and on your perception of yourself because you'll always be comparing to that time you had fuller lips or that time people commented on your weight. You know, that's the thing that I'm trying to avoid.
1: And do you feel then, last question, in your heart of hearts, truth of truths, <laughs> at 33, does your relationship to beauty feel wobbly or solid?
0: It, uh, wobbly doesn't sound right. Solid sounds um, maybe not right as well. It feels quite like aware And I feel like there's a strong foundation, Mm. which is nice, but it's evolving still and it's learning a lot because I'm going through stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it feels strong. Strong enough. Strong enough. (laughs) That'll do. (gasps) Okay. Well, I think
1: that's our first episode of A Fluff Podcast. Thanks. Which is pretty exciting. It wasn't that hard. It wasn't. <laughs> um, pretty hard. Yeah. But no, thanks for listening and we're going to sort of feel our way through this with you guys. This space will also be changing throughout it a little bit too. <laughs> we're in the first stages of this office and this new um, shop.
0: So, yeah, it's kind of all going to evolve with us. And we're excited to see how it goes. Yes. Thanks for grilling me. <laughs> I to. look forward to grilling you now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it.